Bootos Network. Hi, this is Devin Trek from the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Exploding Dice Radio. In this episode, your host Andy is joined by Matt and they talk about the recent War Cradle Q&A. We hope you enjoy the show. Exploding Dice Radio. Welcome to episode 12 of Exploding Dice Radio, the podcast about all things Firestorm Armada, Dystopian Age, and Uncharted Seas. My name is Andy, also known as Ruckdog on the forums, and everybody, it has been far, far too long since our last episode. I uh, apologize for that, real life is sort of taken over a bit, and if we're being fully honest, there hasn't been a lot to talk about in the realm of some of these games. Uh, but anyway, did you miss us? We're back. <laughs> Today, I am being joined on the show by my good friend and fellow Dystopian Wars aficionado, Matt. Welcome to the show. No, hey, Andy. Calling me an aficionado makes me sound a little little fancier than I prefer. Yeah, all, all highfalutin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fake it as, as best you can, right? Yeah, yeah, fake it till you make it, as they say in the biz. That's right. Now, Matt, since this is your first time on the show, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your gaming background, and some of the things you like to play? Well, my uh, gaming background's kind of been uh, many and varied over my years, and um, you know, finances <laughs> allowing for it or not. Um, <laughs> I got I got my start back in uh, Warhammer Fantasy, I think fourth or fifth edition. Um, my my first army uh, that I've now disowned for a long time was High Elves. Nice, um, nice. And I realized the dwarfs were uh, about ten thousand times better. So, <laughs> well, they they yeah. always win, right? So. Yeah, uh, yeah. At least, yeah, last I checked. But, uh, yeah, um, so, you know, that was probably back uh, fifth grade, fourth to fifth grade. Um, and then uh, same guys who kind of got me into Warhammer Fantasy, then moved on to 40K. Um, and, you know, they've been out of it, in and out of the hobby quite a bit. I've kind of stuck with it the whole time, you know, in college and such when I was, you know, didn't have the funds. I was still trying to keep up with what was going on and everything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, most of my, uh, my funds are probably into 40 K. Um, and you know, ever since they started out adding allies and such to those different systems, um, I have, I've gone from, you know, one or two armies to, you know, four or five from, uh, <laughs> from, from, you know, fantasy 40 K. So bottom line is I have a stack of plastic and metal that is not nearly enough painted, but Hey, you try, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I've only really been a part of the miniature wargaming hobby since about 2005, 2006, and my unpainted backlog is already impressive, so I can't imagine what it must have been like for you with another, you know, what, 10, 12 years <laughs> head uh, start? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm thinking about it here. It's, uh, I've been gaming for the better part of 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, but um, hey, at least I'm I'm not, you know... Buying drugs because you can't afford drugs and miniatures, so. Yeah, exactly. Or or go or going out to bars, right? You know, it's um, well, going out to the know. game stores keeps you out of trouble. That's that's how I sell it to my wife, anyway. <laughs> One way to do it. 
Well, anyway, Matt, welcome onto the show again. Uh, now, for those of you out there that have been following the show for a little bit and been following the other show I do, uh, Man Battle Stations, uh, you'll know that most of the folks that I have on the show and my co-host Greg on MBS aren't physically co-located with me there in different areas of the country or, indeed, different areas of the world. Uh, Matt's a little different. He and I are local enough that uh, we can get together every now and then to actually play games together. So that's sort of an exciting dynamic. And that's going to come in important here a little bit later in the episode because we're going to be talking about our thoughts on the uh, Dystopian Wars beta test that's out from War Cradle that gives you the opportunity to try and try out some of the rules and some of the things they're trying with the new edition. We'll get to that, but first, uh, we're going to be talking about the recent War Cradle Q&A panel that they did. That video is posted up on YouTube if uh, you're so interested in go to go see it. We're going to summarize some of the things that War Cradle talked about in that Q&A and then give some of our impressions and thoughts about that. And uh, that's going to take up sort of the first uh, segment of the show. Before we get to any of that, <laughs> backing, backing up one step further, we're going to do a quick little update here about what we've been up to with modeling and painting and other, other t such nerdy goodness. So, uh, Matt, you first. What's been on your painting table lately, and have you gotten to do any gaming? Uh, uh, a bit of, of all of that. A um, couple of uh, projects I have going on. Um, I, as I turn to my right here, I see a stack of uh, Custodes and Sisters of Silence. Oh, nice. nice. Uh, that, I, that I've been painting it as to try to kind of get some cues in 30K and 40K. Um, I've, I started dabbling a bit into Warhammer 30K, um, but my main playing and focus is still kind of 40K. Right, right. But the cool thing about the Custodes, you can kind of use them for either system. And they, they're, and you know, they're the Guardians of the Emperor and pretty, pretty <laughs> tough, tough mothers. So they're, right. they're, they're fun to, to paint. A lot of gold, but, you know, flashy, but yeah, it's nice. I, I don't mind it. <laughs> um, not really much in uh, video gaming. I, I dipped into Smite. I, play, I played like three, three matches of Smite a couple weeks weeks ago. Uh, it had been about a year since I'd played. Um, turns out I wasn't that rusty. Still managed to, to hold my own. Well, there you go. With, uh, all the changes and everything. Um, and modeling-wise, I just threw together a stack of the Adeptus Titan Titanicus terrain ah. uh, for my buddy Pat. It's um, yeah, yeah. It was an adventure. <laughs> um, so, he, so he contracted that out to you, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you're when you're you know, retired chief, you can do that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> um, yeah, not not the most fun kits I've ever put together, but hey, I got it done. And uh, while I was while I was uh, doing that, I was I was uh, kind of watching through the new uh, MST3K series on Netflix. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, they they brought it back, and I'd watched it a bit in in the past. But, right. Um, yeah, you know, I usually have you. I usually have Netflix or something on while I'm while I'm modeling and stuff. So that's what I was. Uh, that's what I was doing. I was putting tiny buildings together. Nice. Sounds like a cozy evening. <laughs> yep. How about you? Well, uh, so for my gaming side of things, you know that game we played of the Stopian Wars beta a little while back. That's the last time I've actually gotten anything to the table. Uh, things have just been crazy uh, working yeah, on the ships. Yeah, so. actually, same with me, actually. Yeah. No, not working on it. Well, sort of working on ships, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you and I's last game was my last game as well. And as far as uh, as far as the modeling goes, I've been working on uh, some little speed boats, you know, torpedo boats for, uh, for the new Cruel Seas game by Warlord. Uh, those have been kind of cool. I've been... Uh, 
picking at uh, doing some Bulgren for my uh, Imperial Guard army. Those are good choice. Those are in, uh, bits and pieces over here with some of the some of the beefy boys. I mean, it's funny. I've had yeah. these Bulgrens since they first released way back in what was it, 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. somewhere. Whenever they did the last wave of guard releases, I, I got a couple of boxes of those for my birthday. They've been sitting on the shelf basically until about two months ago, and I finally started dusting them off and started, you know, putting them together and working on them. So I really, uh, I really like the models. They're they're pretty nice little models. Um, lots of detail. Taking me a little while to get through, especially oh, yeah. with the reduced um, amount of time I have for painting. But uh, yeah. it is what it is. Tur- turns out ogres are fun no matter what setting they are, right? Uh, right. Or forty uh, k. My go-to uh, Sigmar uh, army has been uh, Beast Claw Raiders. Nice. So uh, ogres riding big uh, elephants and uh, giant rhino- rhinoceros. Right, uh, right. Horse slash. No, no. Fat guys riding large animals is, is fun. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's it's something I'm excited about. Just so I'll have a, a component to my army that just doesn't immediately go squish when somebody charges it. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you can get those dudes up to like a two plus normal save in combat. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. Don't, don't stick around. <laughs> um, now, as far as other stuff, I've been fussing around a little bit with some computer gaming. Uh, I haven't been playing as much World of Warships as I have been. Uh, you know, with the, you know, about uh, two months ago, I sort of kind of took a little break from World of Warships. I picked it up a little bit this past uh, week or so because they released a new patch that changed the way aircraft carriers work. And I've been trying out some of those new mechanics. It's pretty neat. Pretty neat. I'm not sure yet whether I'll really be getting fully back into it or not with everything else going on. But uh, yeah, yeah so. I feel like I feel like you use like boats. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have a thing for boats. <laughs> I like big boats, and I cannot lie. So. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, now that we're kind of through that, let's go ahead and move on to our first real topic, and that is the Q and A session that was done. Just a few days ago, January 31st, so right at the end of January, it's uh, the 3rd of February as we're recording this, so that's only about three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the first of these Q&As that War Cradle has ever done, but it is the first of 2019, and it featured uh, Chris and Stuart from War Cradle Studios. They did state they plan to do more of these Q&As, although they didn't really give anything as far as a schedule of when the next one will be, but uh, it is good that they are showing some commitment to keeping up communications with uh, the community here. Uh, uh, they, it's always a plus. I mean, you know, GW has been much maligned for quite a few years, but they've been doing a ton of community outreach, community engagement, and everything, and it's definitely working for them. If you check out their financials, or, you know. Oh yeah, no, I, 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 I it's it's been amazing. It's an amazing transformation GW has gone through in the last you know two or three years. And I, I remember that uh, you know when I first went to Adepticon back in 2012. It's like GW didn't want to have anything to do with any shows. You know, there was no official support there. And now, the last couple of times I went in 2016 and 2017, GW is actually showing up, doing actual presentations and releasing new information at the show, doing price support. And, of course, you know, you've got all of the, the, the videos they've been doing for the community, both both helpful and both you know humorous, tongue-in-cheek type stuff. So mm-hmm. it really is amazing the, the amount of change they've gone through, and it really does seem to be working for them. They've turned things around quite a bit. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's sort of a tangent <laughs> to the main topic here, which is the War Cradle right. Q&A. Back on track. Um, now, the way they did this Q&A is they took a series of questions they collected from around the various communities like the Facebook groups and the forums. They split them out by games. They started with a group of general questions, and then they did a set of questions and answers on each of the uh, main games that are sort of coming up in circulation. That's specifically Dystopian Wars, Firestorm Armada, and Wild West Exodus. So if you're looking for more information about things like Uncharted Seas, that really wasn't highlighted too much in this particular Q&A. 
Um, and just to further manage expectations, uh, it wasn't like some of their previous Q&As. You know, some of their previous Q&As were an hour plus. This one was only about 30 minutes, so it was quite a bit streamlined. Uh, there was no big announcements about hard deadlines like Dystopian Wars will be available on you know June 21st or something like that. No, it's, it, was, it was very much still sort of a, uh, a vague, yeah, we'll get to it sometime this year type of thing. Yeah, and then, I, I remember from the video, I think Stuart was like, the end of the middle of the year. So right, yeah, yeah. July, August-ish? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it when we uh, uh, get to that part of the, the Q&A. But yeah, so vague, vague on some of those details. And also, unlike some of the previous Q&As, there was no new artwork or new models or new renders or anything like that to show off for any of the games. It was just Chris and uh, Stuart sitting there talking head-style, talking and answering questions from the crowd. So in case anybody was on the edge of their seat <laughs> for some of those things. Unfortunately, they just didn't make it into this particular Q&A. All right, so moving on, the first set of Q&A they did was on just general questions. And the thing that came up first was the app. So War Cradle has stated in the past that they're working on a mobile app. And I kind of envision it somewhat similar to, say, the game room that Privateer Press has for uh, War Machine and Hordes. And it's supposed to be an app that will have, instead of having an app for each individual game, they're going to have one War Cradle app. And inside there, you'll be able to select the different games they produce, and you'll be able to get things like updated rules, FAQs, keep track of your model collections, maybe have some list building in there, tracking the games you have played and the players you've played them against, that, that sort of thing. Now, this all sounds great, but the way that it was phrased or described in the Q&A panel was it's in development and has a way to go. <laughs> so it's not something that is imminently uh, getting ready for release. So so what do you think about this, Matt? I mean, have you, you know, I, I think probably all of us have at least experimented with using our mobile devices in some in some form for, for gaming. I mean, they're just so ubiquitous now that it's almost impossible not to. Um what, what do you think? you think this app would be something that you would use, or is it something that sounds like a good idea to you? Um, of, of course. Um, my kind of app history with uh, gaming and such is um, obviously Battlescribe, which is kind of the go-to for army list building and everything yes. for any number of systems. Um, but also, again, top my, uh, my GW history here, they have the uh, <laughs> Age of Sigmar uh, has its own app, which uh, it's really good. I mean... Personally, I kind of like to have like my army list on a printed out piece of paper, um, but that's not always you know pertinent. Like, oh, I forgot to print it. At least you can bring up your stats and say the Age of Sigmar app, which it has all of the armies and like model stats available. Um, but there are some certain like pieces of that that are I'll say behind a paywall, as you will, like different formations and such. Right. Um, which, if you have, kind of annoying for me. Like, I I own the book, so I have the information. But it'd be handiest to have it on my phone as well. Uh, that said, though, I mean, they keep that app updated. And, you know, any army you want to look up the stats for, you know, if you want to pick out the, the stats for this, uh, you know, Custodes biker guy, you know, you can open that up and see the stats. Um, but t to be honest, like when I'm playing at the table um, with that app, like you have to flip unit to unit. So kind of like. Not the most ideal way, um, and along with like the app and everything, they release like cards, unit cards that you can you know, spread out in front of you, which is much easier, I think, to look at and just keep track of during the game. Um, so, so the app itself is nice, but at the same time, I kind of like to have something kind of in front of me as well. I think is what 
it comes down to. Right, right. Well, you know, I think I'm with you on this one. So to be fully honest about the only real actual app I've used for gaming has been Battlescribes, because I've used that a couple of times playing things like 40K. The apps that are out there for, you know, sort of automate some of the processes for games, you know, the, the War Machine Hordes app we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. this Age of Sigmar app that's out. You know, I don't really play those games. So I really haven't had an opportunity to use those full-blown app experiences, if you want to call them that. So mm-hmm. this is going to be sort of a wait-and-see thing for me. I'm definitely interested in trying it out. You know, I think there's some real potential there, and I sort of like the idea. But, you know, I will say that from my experiences with using, like, PDF rulebooks, for example... Um, which I do a fair bit, and not so much a app, but just having the PDF of the rulebook and looking at it in iBooks or Kindle or something like that. You know, there there there's some pluses and minuses. On the plus side, you can do searches <laughs> to find keywords real easy. On the yeah. downside, you know, those PDFs tend to be you know 100 plus pages. They take a long time to load. They're prone to crashing. And there's been some times where I've actually had an easier time searching through a physical rule book than trying to scroll through the PDF to get to something. So it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm kind of with you there. Um, if I'm just, you know, driving somewhere, you know, in the car, well, pass, being a passenger in the car could be because safety. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like look at the, the PDF um, uh, books and stuff. But when it comes down to it, maybe I'm just old and not, you know, fancy young kid anymore, but... It's generally easy for me to bust out the book because I've read through this, these books, you know, hundreds of times. Yeah. A lot of times it's easier for me to just bust out the book, find the page, than yeah. dig it up in a PDF copy. Right, right. And, of course, there's always the risk that your device will run out of batteries at exactly the wrong time. <laughs> and you will have, you know, right in the middle of a gate or something like that. That seems like it never fails. But <laughs> oh, anyway. It sounds like you didn't even take your time preparing. Like, right. I need, I need at least 80% to get through this game. <laughs> right. And you never go to a tournament now without a charger for your mobile device. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. And, and, and five copies of your armor. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, that's sort of it for the first question. The next question was regarding merchandise. Merchandise, 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 where the real money from the film is made. Um, so things like T-shirts and mugs and presumably flamethrowers. I really want a War Cradle flamethrower. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, I mean, they do have those ones that you can, like, I think it was Elon Musk released one. It uh, looks like a flamethrower, but it's like a roof, like a uh, roof tar gun, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. But sure, uh, why not? Now, uh, so War Cradle, uh, they said they're not opposed to the idea, but they did state that, you know, essentially it's outside their normal wheelhouse. It's not what they're used to doing. It's not what they're experienced in doing. So they haven't been focused on it. And so it sounds like that while they want to do some things like, you know, cups and mugs and keychains and that sort of good stuff, they'll probably come down the line after some other game releases have actually been made and they get over the, the hump of releasing Dystopian Wars and getting Firestorm Armada's beta started and that sort of thing. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of okay with that. I, I I can't say that I'm dying to get my hands on a new Dystopian Wars t-shirt or coffee mug. Um, uh, I, I'm not as big, at least, you know, maybe when I was younger and not married and had more disposable income and more room for junk in the house, I, I would be all about getting all this collectible uh, stuff to put on shelves. But anymore, I'm just I'm just not that big into sort that sort of thing like that. I'd rather just buy more models so yeah. <laughs> how about yeah, you matt you do that con mari method uh, no more than 50 miniatures <laughs> right 50 projects <laughs> <laughs> 50 projects well um yeah um kind of with you on on that point um i i think it's cool to see like a space t-shirt or yeah. you know a, a mug 
do I buy it? Nah, I got plenty of mugs that I've gotten from numerous other sources. Right, right. Um, and I know, you know, you know, War Creators says that, you know, maybe we down the line will do this, but like a lot of times what you'll see there is I know GW's done it. You know, they'll farm out their IP to uh, a promo company. You know, I'm sure GW gets some kind of kickback from them, but you get to put our pictures on your mugs and t-shirts and you can sell them for profit and you know, we can both both do our thing. We'll, we'll st- you stay in your wheelhouse, I'll stay in mine. And voila, everybody gets a share. <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I just don't care that much for, um, you know, swag, I guess. Right, right. As maybe I once did. Um, and most of the swag I do by now is jokes. Um, like, uh, went to my buddy's bachelor party and uh, got us... Um, Wolf T-shirts, like you've seen, like the the wolves with like the galaxies on them. Or yeah, the yeah, like, like the like the like the tacky. Like, and they make them for cats too, like you know, the, the tacky that, animal T-shirts. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, we all need this. <laughs> so, that's 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 more uh, my. Um, I, I usually buy swag as as joke, right? Essentially, right. and um, yeah, fun fun story. Fifteen bucks. Here you go, and we'll talk about this some when we're reminiscing about the old days. Back in the old days. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's probably a good way to go. So, uh, next question up was regarding schedules and wanting to know about release dates and and so on and so forth. And so, what they said first off is that you know they have sort of a roadmap for the next three years or so. Although some of it, the further out you get, the fuzzier it gets because of uncertainties about playtesting and manufacturing delays and that sort of thing. They did say that 2019 is set in stone more or less due to logistics and. This is something I've been thinking about recently, and it makes sense, right? If you're trying to mass produce a product, get something printed, get something, uh, you know, manufactured to a specification, get it all collected, get it into a packaging, and then get it shipped out the door. I mean, that all that takes time, right? And you have to have a relatively detailed plan to, to get all of that to come together just right. So it makes sense that they have a relatively good feel for 2019. One thing that I found very interesting is they said that there are some games and some things for existing games and even some new IPs that they have not announced yet that they are planning to talk about this year. So that's sort of interesting. Uh, so that sounds like they've got some cards they're keeping close to their vest, um, and uh, we'll see what that is in due time. Now, for Dystopia War specifically, they did mention a few things here. You know, they did say that, hey, you know, the beta's, you know, out. It's got limited appeal due to the work that needs to happen in order to be able to play it, and... I can speak to this from personal experience because we're talking about, you know, basically to really fully enjoy the beta as it is, you have to print two decks of 60 cards, you have to print out your unit stats, you have to, I mean, we, when we play, we just proxy using the old Spartan tokens, but, you know, if you really want to go whole hog, you need to make some new tokens for the different conditions, um, you know, all this sort of stuff, and that just... You know, that, that represents a pretty significant barrier to entry, I think. When you, it's not like you can just open up a box and it's all there for you. You have to kind of go out of your way a little bit to, to put some things together. So I can imagine that does sort of limit the amount of participation to the really hardcore goofballs like you and me. Well, yeah. <laughs> when yeah, it comes I mean, to it, you know. Um, and they, they released most of that information to the Facebook group, right? And I'm guessing there's maybe about 200 people in that. 
and you know, I'd have to bring it up to actually verify. But that's so there's there's like fourteen hundred people that are 1, you know listed okay. as members of Sergenium Lounge. So yeah, it's like any online group where you have a large number of members, but you really only have a small number that actively participates in terms of posting and responding to posts on a day to day basis. And then you even have a smaller number of those that will actually do things like participate in your beta test. So the way yeah. they the way Chris and Stuart phrased it on the Q and A is that they they figure probably about one percent or so of the total player base has actually been engaged in the beta. Which I, I find believable. That's sort of what I figure when I do things on like man battle stations, right? We run a poll or we run uh, a painting contest, and I, I, I call it the two percent rule. No matter what you do, those types of events, you can expect to get about two percent of your total audience or membership right. actually participating. <laughs> yeah, and I mean with Acrobat, I see you know, and I, I go there once or twice a day. I mean, there's maybe twenty people odd posting. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, some of that is the beta feedback. Some of it's just. You know, ask questions like, hey, where's our stuff? Yeah. And, yeah. So, and some of it's people that are, are posting some modeling they're doing. I mean, there's still lots of people that are showing off some really nice work on there. So that's that's always fun to check up on, too. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I forget who posted the other day, but like it was a quite an eclectic mix of uh, boats. Uh, there's like, I saw some Chinese stuff. Caught, yeah. I saw some FSA <laughs> uh, Corvettes, actually. Yeah. And I think there's a, a Covenant or Enlightened or Enlightened Covenant, whatever they are now. Yeah. <laughs> model in there, too. No, it's something cool. To those, still see people like active and doing that kind of stuff yeah um you know obviously we've posted our kind of battle report stuff but i don't generally find time to just like hey let me randomly throw up this uh work in progress picture right right yeah no it's i i hear you on that um now one of the things they sort of launched into from there was a overview of the roadmap for how they sort of conceptualized doing game testing and releases so they, they start off with an alpha test which is completely internal to the war cradle studio and that's where they just get to a, a rough solution, figure out some of the key mechanics they want to have in the game, and that sort of thing. From there, they launch it into a beta public test, and that's what we're in right now for Dystopian Wars. And then once they get through the beta, they get to where they want to go on the beta, got what they wanted to get out of it, then they close the beta, bring the game back in-house, and then do some tweaks and polishing, and then about two to three quarters down the line, more than three months, less than 12 months is exactly how it was phrased, the game itself will be actually released into retail. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier, that's just down to logistics of having to print the rule books, produce the minis, package it all up, and then actually get it out there to stores. And what that means is that for Dystopian Wars, they're talking about sometime having it in the shops this year, is what they're saying. Sometime this year, quote-unquote. So, But that, that's, you know, this is January. Well, actually, not January anymore, but February. So there's still a lot of time left in 2019. So that's that's a pretty wide range. February, good month. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, a lot of what they're saying is like, you know, before we give you stuff, we want to have stuff, right? Because right. if you're going to drum up excitement and try to hit the ground running, as it were, you want you want dudes, you want guys to have their their, their models and girls. I'm gonna be inclusive here. <laughs> um, um, you want you know models and books in hand, and you want people to kind of be playing from from the gate, right? Yeah, you, you don't want to kill momentum by having people want to buy things, not have anything to buy. So Exactly. All right, so from this, they launched into the start of the various game discussions. The first game they brought up was Firestorm Armada, and the first question in the Firestorm Armada section was, when does the beta start? And they said up front that War Cradle does not plan to run parallel beta tests, both in terms of just a mental bandwidth type of thing, and also in terms of keeping the wider War Cradle community focused on one big thing at a time. So they did state that they 
Definitely plan on starting the Firestorm Armada beta in 2019, but it's going to be sometime after the Dystopian Wars beta is over. Not immediately after, but soon after. So to me, that sounds like, you know, given the timeline they lay out for Dystopian Wars, it's probably going to be sometime late summer, early fall, I think, before we really see much movement in terms of Firestorm Armada. Um, they did say as well that there's going to be no decisions regarding scale, model count, background changes, etc. They haven't really made any hard decisions in those directions. And uh, they did say that they're looking at maybe using a sliding scale, say like Star Wars Armada, where that Rebel Blockade Runner is smaller than an Imperial Star Destroyer, but not actually scale size. It's still quite a bit bigger than it would be if it was in scale. Uh, so that's yeah. sort of interesting. In the past, uh, all of the Firestorm models have been nominally scaled to each other. Of course, with spaceships, it's hard to tell. <laughs> And then finally, they did say that they're looking at using less stringent squadron and army composition rules for the new version of Firestorm Armada, although it will also diverge a bit more from Dystopian Wars than maybe in the past. And that's, that's part of a slow evolution that we've seen. I know, Matt, you're not super familiar with Firestorm Armada, but you know, Firestorm Armada 1st Edition came out about a year before Dystopian Wars did. Yeah, and I mean, when, it was Dystopian Wars in space, right? Yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, well, Dystopian Wars is really Firestorm Armada in the water, <laughs> when you really get down to it. Because, <laughs> uh, like I said, Firestorm Armada came first. And so the biggest difference between Firestorm Armada and Dystopian Wars, they had to add a lot more mechanics for things like dealing with land, sea, and air, and having different, more complex line of sight rules. But the basic gameplay in terms of movement and shooting was much closer the, uh, the Firestorm Armada rules at the time than they were even at the end of the Spartan run when you had the Soviet Wars 2.5 and Firestorm Armada 2.0. So there's been a gradual gradual drawing apart of the two games, and Stuart and Chris did mention they plan to continue that trend with their version of Firestorm Armada, which is interesting. So, yeah. Um, really, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't see any surprises here. I mean, it's a little disappointing. I know everybody, including me, is impatient to see a, a, a new version of their favorite game and if you're a Firestorm Armada fan like I am, it's it's something you want now, now, now. But it does sound like it's going to be a, a bit longer yet, which I don't, again, think is a real surprise to anybody who's been following this. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Um, just speaking from my experience, uh, you know, Games Workshop, they they dropped, you know, they, they blew up the, the old world, and then they dropped Sigmar, um, you know, for all its initial, you know, uh, flaws and, and cool things um but what we've actually seen in 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 that in those systems we've seen 40k kind of moving closer to the how they originally started age of sigmar right right and with some of the box games and stuff they had released you, ca- you kind of you kind of see them testing out new mechanics um so so now you you can kind of translate between fantasy and 40k pretty easily now um the rule books are something like the new version of Age of Sigmar is like 25 pages of, you know, rules of, you know, meat. And uh, the, the, the 40K is about 12. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, there's something to be said for keeping it familiar. But uh, at the same time, um, like I know, uh, and I've never played the games, but like uh, Warmer Hordes, War Machine and Hordes, you can kind of play those systems interchangeably. Yeah. Um, so... Definitely want difference in there, and, and uh, I think maybe what they'll do with Firestorm models, something will seem familiar, but different enough to, to really call it a different game. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I am 
relieved to know that at least they're still showing it on the, the horizon for this year to, to do it. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the Fires of Armada questions. Next up is Dystopian Wars, which is sort of the thing I think you and I are most excited about. It's also the the alligator closest to the boat, to use a, a nautical metaphor. Um, yeah, especially with my paddle wheels. <laughs> the, uh, the first thing they brought up was uh, ship stats. So... Uh, for those of you that have been following the beta, you know, they have a set of ship stats out, but they're fairly generic. And in other words, you know, an American battleship and a British battleship use pretty much identical stat lines with maybe a very, very minor tweak here and there, maybe a little more speed or a little less speed here and there, that sort of thing. But as far as like the weapons loadouts and the base weapons they come equipped with, all of that is, is pretty much the same across the board. The points totals are the same across the board. So, you know, the, the, Final ship stats have not really been a, a key focus of the beta, at least up to this point. Uh, so the first question was sort of uh, asking about that. Hey, is there going to be some more uh, unique stats, that sort of things? And so Chris and Stewart's response was interesting. Uh, they said that their philosophy is they're going to try and keep weapon systems that have the same name and the same you know title the same across all factions. So in other words, if you have a heavy gun turret, it's going to have the same stats and the same number of dice that it has for the British, that it has for the Americans or, or the, the Celestial Empire, you know, the new Blazing Sun version, that sort of thing. So it, it's, it, it, what it reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of 40K, right? Where, you know, in 40K, if you have a Lascan, that Lascan has the same stat line, whether it's a Space Marine carrying it or it's strapped to the front of a guard tank or it's flying into battle under the wing of, a, of an aircraft, right? It's, it's all, mm-hmm. you know, the same basic weapon. Um, so I, I think that that makes a lot of sense from having played 40k. You know, it, it seems like a natural thing at this point. Um, they did say there'll be some faction unique weapons like heat lances, particle beams, that sort of thing. You know, like for for example, only the French or you know the the Grand Alliance as they're called now will have heat lances, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and they did say that uh, placement of weapons on ships and their associated firing arcs. Those will be different from faction to faction. So in other words, unlike right now where you have, I think, two forward turrets and one rear-facing turret on your battleship, you mm-hmm. know, that, that'll get swapped out to maybe, you know, the, the French have two turrets on each side or, or maybe, you know, the Americans like they do now only have one turret forward and aft, that sort of thing. Uh, so they are, they are going to be tweaking that to be a little more unique from ship to ship, faction to faction. So... Um, so anyway, how, how's it all sound to you, Matt? Make, all, make a lot of sense, sir? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... Because even like when you're kind of, you know, again, I'm going to default to my 40k experience because I've played that much more than any other game in my life. Um, knowing that there are some standard like things, a heavy boulder is a heavy boulder. A last cannon is a last cannon. You know, that allows you, you, you know, what's coming at you somewhat. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you forgot something about it, you know, say, oh, hey, you forgot that last cannon is D6 damage instead of d3 right right so just uh, just you know you, you know for, you know when you're in the in the friendly games like hey by the way you messed that up it should be this instead right like, oh yeah right. that's right whoops um yeah and, and to kind of different differentiate it with the like different turrets in different spots um yeah yeah i mean that gives you some difference in the boats and obviously what it sounds like they're going we'll probably get to this a little more the what's going to set the factions apart really seems to be like the special roles that can be assigned uh what you know generators they have you know what kind of crew upgrades can they have um and and i think that's uh, so there's going to be again kind of the same like the same but different i guess we kind of talked about with um between uh, sigmar and like 40k yeah um so kind of and and it just standardizes a bit instead of figuring out like oh well i got 15 here 
10 here, you're going to know. I got 10 here all the time, 10 here all the time, you know, damage, <laughs> damage, uh, not, notwithstanding and everything. But yeah, I mean, seems, seems legit. I mean, there's, there's difference for the sake of difference. And then there's difference, you know, for, you know, purpose, right. which I think is where we get into the, the heat lances and the particle beams, uh, et cetera. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So next up was another discussion about scheduling. Uh, again, dystopian wars will be released this year. As you said, there was sort of a, you know, late to end of the middle of the year, <laughs> sort of cryptic. Um, and then it said that they will not release the models before the rules are ready. And they won't release the rules before the models are ready. So it's going to come out as a, as a package deal, basically. Mm-hmm. And then they did reiterate that, you know, the beta is not the final game. It's not something they just pushed out so everybody could get to playing early. It's, it's something they really do want to get some feedback on and, and test. So it's not the final game. Uh, so I think that makes sense. Now, I, I'm calling it right now. I predict that they're aiming for a Gen Con release. They just don't want to say that because they can't guarantee everything will be ready. But that's what makes the most sense to me <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the with the things they've been talking about, the hints they've been dropping, and the fact that you know they had a pretty good Gen Con presence last year. And as far as I know, they've announced that they're going this year as well. So <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and then um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Again, you kind of keep keep you know keep what you can to yourself because um what i what i found out this weekend um with i guess the uh, forge world open in uh in in uh england yeah um everything every, everything was coming down the pipeline uh horse heresy book eight which includes like the blood angels sanguinius you know yeah yeah so some of some of the some of the, the big ballers in in the uh, in the 30k universe things that people have been they, waiting for for literally years yeah 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 they, they, <laughs> every, everything i was hearing is like they are not talking anything about this book this weekend and what did they do they dropped this book they they showed the sanguinius model with his his spear murdering uh the demon guy yeah i saw that it looks pretty um, cool <laughs> yeah yeah well i had um when i saw, saw that model drop i had some with the sword, the sword version, I had some complaints about the position, um, being being a fencer a bit, and um, you know <laughs> what they done with with his pose is copy a, a painting of Saint Michael, uh, who is you know smiting the wicked, but like Sangree's kind of in the same position, but like the way he's holding the sword, it's just a really freaking awkward arm position to do anything. Yeah. Um, and I've been in that arm position uh, a bit. Uh, it only happens when you're super close and you're stabbing somebody in the back, literally. Um, <laughs> so it looked a, little, a, bit, a bit of an awkward posing for me, but, but um, the blood angels are finally getting their guy, right? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, slight tangent, slight tangent, but again. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's important because, you know, like GW or hate them, and I know GW has plenty of haters out there. You do have to admit that they're still the, the biggest kids on the block. You know, they're the biggest Absolutely. fish in a, well, it's still a relatively small pond. I mean, you know, let's, let's face it, miniature wargaming isn't exactly the most uh, popular hobby worldwide. It has a strong and dedicated following, but compared to something like playing video games or, you right. know, anything like that, it's still, you know, fairly small. And GW is the biggest company involved, and so it only makes sense that as the market leader, things that they do are going to sort of drive the the way that the community as a whole perceives things, and is going to have some influence on other <coughs> other companies within the the industry, right? So. Oh yeah, and I mean a lot of it's that accessibility, right? I mean, kind of like Apple Apple products. I'm not an Apple guy, but it's a niche market, right? It's, right. That's how it is. Um, you know, if it, had I not you know started my gaming when I did. And I was more in the, the 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 new generation of gaming with all of the Call of Duty and everything, and not play those games. But you know, sixty dollars that you can get 
hours and hours and hours of entertainment by just plugging into the TV, you know, there, there's, there's something to be, there, there's something attractive about that. Yeah. Um, miniature game for me is kind of my, my, you know, escape and in one paint miniatures work on such so kind of my kind of like, like meditation kind of thing, or, you know, however you want to, yeah, however you want to yeah. paint it, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's my quiet place where I go to to kind of just do my thing. Right, right. Not, the value of which is not to be underestimated. Exactly. Now, uh, the next question that was brought up was, hey, what's going on with the free Dystopian Wars rulebooks? And, you know, I, I kind of can understand where this question has come from because I think that promotion started over a year ago at this point. And so it's only natural if you're somebody who hasn't been paying close attention, hasn't been coming to the Serginium Lounge on Facebook every day that – you might start to wonder, hey, I, I signed up for this thing a year ago. What's what's going on with it? Are they ever going to send it out? And, of course, the answer is they'll send it out once they actually have the rules done and printed, which they haven't yet. One thing that they mentioned that I did not realize they were doing is that they're looking at doing some sort of special edition book for the, the folks that signed up for the free book promotion, which I think is cool. So Very cool. They didn't go into a lot of details about what those customizations would be, but that's that's sort of neat. And uh, they, they did say that if this is well-received by the community, these special edition books, and that's something that they'll do again for Firestorm Armada. So a uh, good thing to, to keep an eye out for when they start that process. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a, a very cool thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, even if they're specializing these books, like, they're, 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 I mean, they're fronting money for you to, you know, they're, they're showing their belief in you as a community by giving you this free rule book. Because it's not the cheapest thing for them to print. You know, if it's a hardback rule book, you're probably talking... If they make enough of them, you're probably talking, I'm guessing, 10 to 15 to get it made, if, and probably more than that even. And they're just going to pass this out to the, the people who've been kind of supporting them and, and backing them. And that's, you know, that's that's a company like, you know, throwing some money to say, hey, we appreciate you guys and we want you here and want you to be part of this whole system and this world that we're creating. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, so it's, it's definitely a good, uh, I think it's a good faith, uh, all the branch of the community. Uh, and then they finally did say there's play their plans for a new two-player starter set, which I don't think is a huge shocker to anybody. That, that's a pretty standard thing that uh, most companies do now. And uh, as a quick plug, that's something that Greg and I are going to be discussing on the, the next episode of the MBS podcast is some of our favorite naval two-player starter sets and what we like to see and don't like to see in them. So <laughs> nice. I'm looking forward to that discussion. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know. I'm looking forward to uh, having a new two-player starter set. I think that, um, you know, my somewhat inexpert and unexamined opinion is that two-player starter sets, one, everybody expects them, right? This is mm -hmm. sort of a thing that a quote-unquote real game is just expected to have as a two-player starter set. And two, uh, you know, I think it really does have a lot of benefits to getting a, a community started because they are usually a pretty good value in terms of what you get in the box. You're usually getting a little bit of a price break over what you would get if you had to buy all the stuff in there individually. And it's a good way to, to get things like dice and tokens and stuff like that into players' hands without having to have them buy this whole separate box of stuff. Which I know Warcradle is doing that for Wild West Exodus. For those folks that don't want to go through a the expense or don't need a two-player starter set, they can get these packs of, of stuff to help them play the game. But... Uh, you know, in my experience, it's just better all around if you have that in a two-player starter set. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, it really goes back to accessibility, right? Um, saying, hey, you can play this game for $150, but look, 75 for you, 75 for you, we get a lot more, you know, say bang for your buck. You've already said, you know, you're, you're getting these, you know, you're getting a discount on what's in there, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. GW's been doing a lot with their start collecting boxes yep. and uh, a lot of their two player starters. Some of their more recent like like scenario slash two player starter boxes have been a ridiculous value. Yeah. Um, I think the most recent one I bought is called Two Thoughts uh, Space Wolves versus Gene Stealers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, $150 price tag, um, but about $300 worth of stuff yep. for each side. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, and you know, they're pretty plastic. I mean, once, you know, with plastic printing and such, once you get the molds paid for and you have the machines, you know, you can, you know, print plastic stuff out super cheap. You know, I mean, you, on, you could, you on could, the dollar. You can literally give it away, which is like what Warlord did recently with their, you know, they have the War Games Illustrated magazine that they own. They included, uh, for subscribers, they, they included a sprue that had one of their new torpedo boats from Cruel Seas in, mm-hmm. in it with her. You know, like they do that fairly frequently, right? So, yeah. So it'll, it'll be good to see what they do with the two-player set. Uh, something to look forward to. And uh, that pretty much rounded out their Dystopian Wars section. Yeah. Um, real briefly, well, the, the final thing they talked about in their Q&A for about the last uh, 8, 10 minutes was Wild West Exodus. Now, full disclosure, and I've mentioned this in the past, I'm not a Wild West Exodus fan. Um, I don't hate it. It's just you know something that I never really got into, and Wild West just really isn't something that, that gets me super excited. Uh, Matt, I don't know about you. Have you ever checked out Wild West Exodus? Um, it's, I've looked at the models and said, this looks freaking cool. Yeah. Um. You know, it's you know, it's you know, steampunk like Wild West. Yeah. You know, and I know they have you know figures of the old West. They have you know, Jesse Wild James, Bill, yeah. Jesse James. Yeah. And I'm like, this looks really cool. If only I didn't have this pile of Warhammer interest. <laughs> <print."> <laughs> right. Um, and, and you know, I didn't know much. And and I know that um, yeah, I guess Wayland Games has recently picked up that IP. Somebody else had that game prior too. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, I forget the name of the company, but. Uh, you know, Romeo from Battlefoam fame was one of the key masterminds behind getting that uh, whole game started. Like, it was sort of one of his uh, pet projects uh, from about uh, four or five years ago. And uh, they eventually spun it off. Uh, I, it, Wayland actually had Wild West Exodus before they had the Dystopian Wars IP, I mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah, they didn't know that. Yeah, so it's like, been, it's been a couple of years they've had it, and they've been doing some stuff with it, so... Um, um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, from like the models that I remember seeing, like, I was like, this is freaking cool. Yeah. I just have, I'm just far too invested otherwise. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, but, but the, I mean, the way they're talking, it seems like there's actually, you know, maybe there's like a, you and I have kind of briefly discussed before, like there's pockets of games um, in, in areas like where you, you can go anywhere and see, you know, 40K. Right. Right. But, um, but I, I remember them talking on like the Q&A, like, yeah, this, um, I think it was Adepticon event, it sold out. And yep. then we, added more and it sold out again so like right. there's people there and if you're thinking like travel wise like you know it's kind of mid-atlantic region mm-hmm. so you're talking really east coast united states is probably reasonable to travel to depticon if you really wanted to oh yeah i've done it before um, so <laughs> if you sell out twice you know there's definitely there's players out there playing it i've never personally seen it played it, it, i would definitely go see it played but i just i've not seen it locally they did sell it locally, though. Atlantis had some of that stuff on the shelf for a, a, a bit, I noticed. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's uh, and actually when I'm talking about like, the ones I've seen, mm-hmm. like that's where I saw them. Yeah. And, of course, I've seen some of, you know, their models on the, on the blogs and such. Um, but, yeah, I've never actually seen the game being played. Right. And, that and doesn't, honest, it doesn't get played, but I've never seen it. <laughs> right. And honestly, neither have I outside of a convention setting. So, uh, but anyway... Uh, so we'll run through this real quick since neither you and I are super invested in the game, uh, but just for completeness sake, we'll go ahead and cover it. So 
they said that they have an organized play pack on the website, on the War Cradle website, for folks that want to do uh, tournaments, that sort of thing. Uh, they're working on revised unit cards, uh, version 1.09. Those are coming out this year. Now, this is distinct from the changes they're planning to do to the main rule. So they're working on a full new edition of the game, and that's distinct from the 1.09 cards. So we'll see that materialize probably towards the end of the year. They, uh, that was what the impression I got was. Uh, then uh, they're doing some more terrain kits. Uh, so they've been doing some you know Weird West kind of terrain for Wild West Exodus, and that's been well received, so they're planning on doing more. And then finally, they mentioned a Dystopian Legions tie-in. That is still something they're looking at doing, which you know sort of makes sense to me because it's the same scale. And now with the Dystopian Age, it's even in the same universe. And a tentative name for that was discussed as Beyond the Wild West. But no, no word yet on any kind of beta test or release or anything. So it'll probably be you know well in the next year at least before we start hearing anything about that. I think so. And that's pretty much it for Wild West Exodus. Uh, any any saved rounds on that one there, Matt? Uh, no, but I will say like the the joining of the universes is kind of I feel like super cool. I know oh, yeah. some of the um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll say neckbeards and such that I've seen talking like like you know oh they're ruining everything like. <laughs> well, you, know, you you gotta you gotta be fair to folks. You know they they're just somebody who got used to their own headcanon with how dystopian wars works and. You know, some of the things that Work Rail is doing is running contrary to their, their conception of the game. And I can understand how that can be frustrating, you know, but it is what uh, it is. You know, Work Rail is oh, anyway, Absolutely. Now, so. But, um, yeah, so probably, uh, probably a slightly unfair generalization there. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, and, and I've been through it a lot, too, with, with 40K and everything. I mean, it's 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 something that happens. Yeah. You know, you can, you can you know, go with the flow. You know, you can go around the rock in, in the river or you can, you know, get stuck on it as a log. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, I mean, you still hear stories about people that refuse to give up on, like, second edition or third edition 40K. <laughs> they're still they're right. like, like, oh, you know, every edition since has been crap. We're still playing second edition, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I still have the, the third edition edition rule book. I haven't yeah. cracked it in 10 years or more. <laughs> um, well, I surely sure, I sure haven't cracked it since uh, since I got my new Space Wolf Codex. It took 10 years to get, by the way. Uh, Not that you weren't counting or anything. Older, so. older edition, older edition. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's just one of those things like, and just kind of as a person, that's how I am. Like, I kind of try to go with the flow. Like it is what it is. Right. You know, if if you put up your, if you put up this, this wall and you're like, this is gonna be the worst ever. You're not giving yourself, you're not giving it a chance to be good. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think that I don't think that's fair to this company that's trying to, because if you're, you're linking this wild west, you're linking the, the, the ship combat, you're linking the land combat, like the potential for stories and, and, Crossplay and everything, yeah. Yeah, there's 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 so much opportunity, um, but you got to give it a chance, right? Yep. yep. Alrighty, well, uh, that pretty much rounds out the discussion of the Q and A. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll have a quick message from our network, the Free Buddhas Network, and then when we come back, my, Matt and I will discuss our experiences with the Dystopian Wars 3.0 beta test. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Currently, humanity looks to the internet for its information. We have stood at the edge of despair and would have fallen. If not for awesome podcasts and their content of everything we love. Now these podcasts are all brought together in one place. Forged in like-mindedness, tempered with a community-oriented forum. 
covering all things geek, such as wargaming, board gaming, comics, movies, and more. Presenting a lineup of podcasts producing exclusive content for the fans. The Freebooters Network. Trolls want to steal our community. Let them try. Hey everyone, we're back. And now we are going to talk about our experiences with the Dystopian Wars 3.0 beta. Now, Matt and I have gotten in a couple of games now. Uh, one was under a earlier version of the beta. That happened last fall. What was that around October, November, Matt? I forget now. Somewhere around there. Yeah, sounds accurate. Um, you know, adding adding new kids to the family stuff kind of uh, kind of slows down uh, gaming time a bit. But, right, uh, right. Well, just the point where I can kind of get back into it now. So, well, just the whole thing sort of plays with your sense of time. Anyway, you start getting less sleep, and uh, you know, next thing you know, a month has gone by. It's like holy crap. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so we played one game last fall, and then we played a second game more recently, just a couple weeks back. And uh, this was with the latest and greatest version that came out shortly after the new year. I think it was around January 7th or 8th, something like that. Relatively shortly. Yeah, relatively shortly after the first of the year. And uh, they they did some changes and tweaks to it. Um, Warcradle has been pretty good about making these types of tweaks and changes and additions to the the beta rules roughly every month or two uh, since they started the the beta back, I think, August or so. So there's been a fair bit of evolution already with the, the beta rule set. It definitely seems like they are incorporating some player feedback, which is good to see. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, dig into it. Uh, the first thing uh, that I thought we would just sort of talk about is some of the things we like. Start off on a positive note here. You know, what are some of our likes, some of our dislikes, you know, things we think works and, and, and things that we're, we're worried about. So uh, so for the likes, um, one of the things I will say is that I like how they've tweaked the, the turn structure a bit. Um, you know, if you remember from Dystopian Wars 2.0 and 2.5, you had this turn structure that was like five different phases and, you know, there was three or four steps. So you wound up with, uh, you know, a list that was like 20 lines long with all the steps and sub-steps built in for each of the different phases. So they, they have streamlined that quite a bit, uh, which I like. Um, you know, for one of the things that's interesting and this sort of feeds into another point I've got about carry rules, but, they, you know, they moved all of the, the SAS resolution to its own phase towards the end of the turn. Uh, which seems to make things go a lot more smoothly instead of trying to work out each individual, you know, small aircraft attack during the course of a regular turn. Um, so, uh, so Matt, what do you think about that? Um, how's the turn structure feel for you? Uh, it, it feels good. Um, as you kind of said, there's these, you know, billions of sub phases. Um, and just, I feel like kind of cu- cutting out like unnecessary steps. Yeah. Um, like you're you talking about the, the, the SAS squadrons. You know, when you were tagging with one of those guys in previous editions, you, you, have, you have to get them there. They get shot before they do anything. And then if you have a couple left, they get to do something. Whereas now you, they kind of they get to the boat. They get their attack because there's no more aerial defense against these guys. They show up on the on the carrier and they get their attack and, you know, things keep on moving. Um, so, you know, it, it's been kind of a slow play for us just because we're still getting used to it. Right, right. But I can see that it will be much more, uh, efficient, um, as you get used to the rules and how things play out. Um, yeah, 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 I think that's, uh, about sums up my, my thoughts. I'm pretty much, uh, in agreement with you there. <laughs> Alrighty, so, uh, next up, uh, the card mechanic. Now, 
I like this. I like what they've done with the card mechanic. I know this was one point of concern that was raised early on in the beta. And, you know, the thing with the earlier Spartan versions of the game is that, you know, they always had, originally there were star cards, and eventually they became tax, tactical mm-hmm. action cards. And they always felt kind of strapped on to the main game. I've described them in the past as being sort of a module that gets attached to the main engine of the game, right? Where you can easily play the game without the cards. And War Cradle definitely has appeared to make an effort to more tightly integrate those cards into the game and make them less optional, (laughs) for lack of a better term, and also sort of balance them a bit so they don't seem to be as overpowering or swingy or frustrating to use as the older versions of the cards did. And I have to say, I think they've succeeded pretty well in this. Um, You know, we've used the cards in both the games we've played so far, and I didn't find them super brain hurry to use, uh, you know, brain burning to use. They didn't seem like they swung the game too far one direction or the other. And uh, they, they overall seem to make a lot of sense. Um, you know, one of the things that was a big frustration is that, you know, with the old cards, you could spend two turns whittling down a battleship and then somebody could flip over a repair card or two and all of a sudden the the battleship is back up to half health or more. Uh, you know, there was cards, you know, there was a canceling mechanic under the Spartan regime where, you know, if you, you, you could have this big, huge tactical plan that relied on using this one card at this one key moment and then you play it and then your opponent says, ah, I cancel it. And then it all goes out the window. That was always frustrating. They've done away with that. And I think it's been for the better. And for those of you out there that are concerned about the cards, I gotta be honest with you, I don't think they're going to be a problem. I think they're going to be something that actually helps the game. And if you are playing the beta and actually trying not to use the cards, then I would heartily recommend that you give it a try and and, and see how you like it under the, the new system. Um, so, so, Matt, I mean, you've got some experience with some of these older card systems. How do the new ones compare to the old ones for you? Uh, yeah, I have a couple points on that one. Um, I think I think the cards add an element of uncertainty to the, to the game. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned the, oh, here, I randomly repaired my battleship. Um, but I think without those cards, a lot of times the dystopian wars 1.0 and, you know, 2.0 up, like the games get slightly less exciting. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, playing against the blazing sun as my FSA as, you know, uh, not necessarily against you, but uh, a guy I used to play with, uh-huh, uh-huh. um, it, you know, it was, it was down to question of, you know, if we're playing without the cards, uh, does the Ika kill my battleship in one turn or do I somehow knock out the Ika? And that more or less determines the game. Right, right. Whereas the the, the tax slash star cards, you know, even if something, if even if one of those goes south, you have a chance of coming back, bringing it back and, you know, kind of getting things done. Um, in the current version of the rules, I think the cards work fine. Um, and this is, is going to be kind of a, a positive and negative. I find it super annoying to have to flip the card to see what I'm reading otherwise like here's my action I can oh repair. yeah yeah where, where it's got text on the top oh, wait, and let me put my hand upside yeah, down yeah and read these ones and you know i, I would almost want two different decks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's just that's just me being uh you know it's it's, it's like i would rather just just soon have a pile here and a pile here or and not try to figure out which one which one's on which and like oh i could have scored those points if i didn't fix my boat or even if they just put all the text in the same direction, like the same orientation, and just drew a line in the middle of the card to separate the two two halves or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That would be a billion times more, more <laughs> horrible. Um, yeah, because I don't like I don't necessarily love things that slow games down and like right. that extra action right there, just flipping the cards over and trying to keep the action straight 
is really kind of you know frustrating like oh man i would have scored those three points if i didn't use this card otherwise yeah no and, and and so just to play devil's advocate on that one i mean first of all i agree with you flipping those cards rotating them 180 degrees all the time is, is kind of annoying um and playing devil's advocate i wonder how much of that is just because we're not familiar very familiar yet with what the cards say on them and then after a while it became oh yeah this is the plus two this card and the minus three that card i, I know what this card is you know, if you once you've played enough times so i wonder if there's maybe an element to that um that might be at play, but you know that 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 being said, we're we're a long ways away from having that level of familiarity <laughs> with oh, the of cards after only a couple of games, you know. So, yeah, definitely agree with you. It's a little annoying, a little annoying. Um, all right, and then my my third and final positive point that I wanted to highlight here was the carrier rules. So the carrier rules are one area in the game that had you know, and specifically in the beta um, that has seen some evolution since the beta first started late last year. There's been some tweaks and changes. There's been this addition where you can now do these um, uh, anywhere on the board strikes by doing basically by uh, setting your planes aside, not doing an attack in the current turn. And then the next turn, they can attack anywhere on the board, which I think is interesting. And um, the way the new carrier rules work is that you're no longer trying to track how many tokens you've got left. There's no more. Uh, tokens getting shot down. It's like you get the number of tokens you have, you put them on the target, and then there's some defense, but the defense doesn't shoot down tokens, it just removes the number of hits. So for those of you familiar with older versions of Dystopian Wars, it sort of works like shields, where you were rolling dice and canceling hits with your shields. You sort of do the same thing now with your anti-aircraft against a, a small plane attack. And uh, overall, I think this is the best version of carrier rules I've seen in a Dystopian Wars game to this point. I really do think uh, that they're an improvement in terms of gameplay and in terms of smoothness, I guess. Uh, you do lose some of the detail uh, that you used to have in older versions of the game as far as the rearming and the the replenishment of squadrons. You basically all the carrier actions that started in 2.0 and carried forward in 2.5. Um, but, you know, I've also said in the past that I think the amount of detail they put into carrier actions in Dystopian Wars was always a little out of sync with the detail level of the rest of the game. And it really feels to me like the rules in this beta sort of better align the flow and the level of detail uh, with the rest of the game as a whole in terms of the other mechanics. So anyway, uh, Matt, what do you think about the carriers? I mean, we've played uh, we played carriers in both the games we've played so far, so we've gotten a little bit of a chance to, to mess around with these guys. Right, and um, my experience is more with uh, Disturbing Wars one point. Oh, and 1.5. And I know when we did the hurricane season stuff, which we're getting to another one, um, use them a little bit. Um, but I always found carriers, at least in 1.0 and 1.5, pretty useless. Right. Because uh, <laughs> as soon as they, they kind of take, you know, two points of damage, they're pretty much not doing a thing. Um, and, and definitely a 2.0, 2.5 kind of fixed them because I saw them working better. Yeah. Um, just, you know, historically. Um and now I feel like, you know, from what, what we've played our two games, like they are in a much better. I still do like seeing the little planes flying around and right. they plan to be a token, but I guess there's nothing stopping us from continuing to use the, the little tokens. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, just think about to like that piece of the game. Um, I'm sending my flyers in and actually we kind of got this in the previous t- discussion, but like, all right, I have two left. So not only did my carrier not do much, everything that I was was going to, going to do with my carrier is now useless because I have six dice on your you know eight twelve battleship, right? right. Hoping for the best. Um, 
and I know we've we've only played on kind of like the four by four table. Um, so I haven't found the they have the I guess long range recon or whatever that rule is. Um, let you say, okay, my carry launch guys in, in another turn, they'll be able to go anywhere. Uh, definitely going to be more useful on like a four by six table. Yeah. Um, but which is with, with a limited kind of, uh, scale we were working on the four by four, you, you, you're almost just as well driving the boat and you're probably gonna be close enough to do something yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, in turn two. So, I mean, kind of whether or not you, you move, move your carrier, Turn two, you're probably, you know, whether you're launching long range or you're launching just per operation phase, kind of, I guess, I guess I'm thinking like net same effect, really. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely, and, and I know, uh, with, uh, 2.0 and 2.5, there was a, um, some like the flying carriers is where you kind of ran into the issues. Uh, you know, the FSA double flying carrier, just going high flying until the middle of the board, then, you know, dropping everything out and, and doing, you know, massive damage, which I wasn't really around for. Uh, so I can't really speak on it, but I know it was a thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the power level of carriers is waxed and waned a bit. I think uh, they definitely got a power increase when we got into 2.0 and then 2.5. Um, they do feel powerful in the beta, but not overpowering. And I think it has a little bit to do with the, the way that their ranges are controlled and uh, the overall amount of dice you can get from the attack and the removal of some of the things like surface hunter rules and stuff like that where you would hit on threes and, and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. You know, with, with those uh, no longer in play, it's just a sort of a more standardized attack, and so it doesn't feel like it hurts quite as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I guess if, if I were to just uh, put it succinctly, you know, I could just as well pick a carrier as another boat and be happier, whereas in previous editions, I would have picked any other boat. Right, right, yeah. Although one one quick point to point out, and this is something we just, I, well, I personally discovered much to my uh, sorrow during our last game with the beta, is that they have tweaked the unit stats, and carriers now are very unmaneuverable. <laughs> they, they sort of drive yeah. like pigs, so you have to definitely plan out much more carefully where you're going to drive your carrier, because they're much much less maneuverable, and, and so it's easy to get them sort of... Because there was basically... I got to a point where I wanted to go sort of uh, clockwise around an island, but I was basically forced to go counterclockwise because I didn't didn't account for just how how unmaneuverable the ship was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. And I kind of found the same. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like carriers, like, they have guns, and guns are always good, but, like, in general, they're they're best chilling behind an island right. and, and, and launching tiny planes out. Yeah, well, you know, what, what threw me for a loop is that in previous versions of the game, you know, your your carriers are basically as removable as your battleships and your dreadnoughts were. I mean, you know, they used the same template, they had the mm-hmm. same mandatory forward movement, you know, they, they had the same rough maneuverability. As it stands right now, and again, the unit stats in the beta aren't final, but as it stands right now in the, in the beta, your carriers are far less maneuverable than your comparable battleship is, right? Uh, so you have to sort of get into a completely different mindset when it comes to where you deploy your carrier, the way you face it on the battlefield matters a lot more now. You oh, know, yeah. So you, you just have to think things through. That sort of I didn't quite catch that until after I started uh, moving <laughs> in the first turn of our last game. I was like, oh, oh. I should have done this differently. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I wanted to be. 
Noted. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that sort of rounds up the points I wanted to bring up uh, for things that I like. Matt, do you have anything else you want to add as far as uh, points that you uh, find enjoyable about the the beta? It's really streamlined. It is is, is kind of my 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 hit home point. Like it's gotten much more reasonable to knock a game out in you know two hours as opposed to four or five. Once you're taking out those tiny token activations, maybe I just hate hate small tokens and flyers. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I just, I just, I never used to have luck with my carry, so I would just assume bring two battleships and, right. you know, be on my merry way. Um, and, and I think it's kind of hard to get a real, you know, kind of hone in on on the the great things right now because the the boats and stuff are so homogenous right now. Yes. Um, I, and I think we'll see, you know, the the variety in the in the different units, uh, different uh, factions rather. Um, and the only thing I, I want to see, uh, I want to kind of see all the factions have their own kind of special stuff. Um, and, you know, you and I have discussed this before. The FSA uh, in, you know, Disturbing Wars 1.5 to 2.5, they're kind of like, they're 1.0 to 2.5. They're the Space Marines of, of you know, Disturbing Wars. Very new friendly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, like, I like to have that kind of challenge and, like, I like to have kind of fancy stuff I can do. I mean, the FSA could always, you know, they could assault almost nearly as good as the Prussians. Their guns were always pretty powerful at, you know, range band four, whatever. But they're talking like, oh, you know, they're saying, oh, the guns are going to be the same over factions. Well, I want to make sure every faction still kind of has their own, like, specialty, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't want to just feel like I'm, I'm putting down a, a Space Marine battle, you know, battleship. You know, I want to be able to do more with it, I guess, is, is kind of what I want. Right. No, I, 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 want, I want there to be options. I totally get you, and, and this really sort of leads us into the starting the list of things we don't like, because that, that's why it has my number one, is that the current stats are just a little too vanilla. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and granted, this is just a beta test, and it is just a, a set of rules to get people sort of trying out some of the core mechanics, so they're by no means final. But I'm with you, I really do want to see some more sort of uh, specification, specialization. There we go. That's probably the better word to use. And uh, something that's a little more faction-defined when they do the final release of the game. Uh, so we'll just have to see. We'll have to see where they, where they take that in the future. Um, one of the things that I... Another thing I really don't like about the game as it stands is the maneuvering. I mean, they started basically with the maneuvering system from the, the fleet action fast play game that Spartan did where you only use the one template and then there's some modifications to it where sometimes you have to move straight before you can turn or you have to do, you can only do so many flats of the turning template at one time, that sort of thing. So um, I think it works, but, you know, it, it it's sort of one of those things where it feels like they spent so much time and effort streamlining the rest of the game. It's weird to me that they would then turn around and do some stuff in the maneuvering section that makes it feel a little less streamlined. Like having to remember that, oh, the lumbering rule means that I have to move straight one inch between each turn. Or, oh, this turn limit rule means I can only turn three different flats on the turning template instead of using, you know, all four or five I might be able to do, this sort of thing. It, it, it just, it, it feels a little clunky. It works. Don't get me wrong, it works. It just feels it, like, why not just have the three different size turning templates <laughs> like you used to? Why, why go through all these hoops? So that's what they sort of. Uh, maybe wonder uh, how how do you feel about the the maneuvering rules in the game so far? Uh, I'm I'm pretty much with you on that. Um, I don't think it's any harder to actually. I think it's easier to have three move, turning templates than have this to have to remember this rule. Like, oh, well, you have to go one inch between every turn. Like, it's really not that much more effort to print an, uh, an extra, a large turning template on a piece of paper yeah. versus you know. And I have some plastic ones that are real cool and everything. Yeah, and you know, want to be able to use those obviously, but like. <laughs> 
when you're going to add rules to units in the game, I want to make it, I want to make those units specialized or I guess I want the rules that's assigned to be positive yeah. rather than, oh, here's, here's this negative you need to remember. I, I just soon have the, if it's a massive model, it uses this one. If it's a medium model, it uses this one, right. you know. Um, I don't think an extra couple of turning templates uh, hurts anything. Yeah, and I guess that, that's those are my thoughts on on that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, like I said, it does work in the end. Uh, you know, so but, and the thing is, at this point, based on the changes they made so far, I really don't see them changing that. I think they've sort of married up to the idea of dropping down to just one turning template and modifying things from there. Uh, but uh, anyway, right, we'll, we'll we'll see for sure when they uh, release the final version later this year. I guess so. Um, uh, so, uh, so Matt, are there anything about the bay that we haven't talked about yet that sort of bothers you that you didn't really like? Um, thus far, I don't like the uh, the fray and I guess the, the close salt type stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good um, point. I've really talked about that much. And it was it's been you know back in the day. I mean, I remember you know that could be a, a clutch game game winner right now. Yeah. And uh, you kind of t- talked about like add-ons with the old star cards or whatever. I feel like it's kind of like an add-on thing. Yeah. Because when you're talking about your aerial defense versus and your citadel like adding up to you know target the fray um and this just i guess this is um anecdotal and i guess kind of my feeling rather than you know statistically uh laid out facts but um i feel like this game is gonna be much less about um assault and uh you know taking an enemy ship versus uh just firing guns at it and hanging out and and we we only had a couple of instances of the you know the the close assault stuff and it, and it just didn't feel as, like... Impactful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah, just, it, it was just sort like, of yeah. a meh. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we, we had this old stat, and uh, let's keep it, right? Right. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the... Uh, you're right. In the past, a, an assault could be, you know, a game-winning move. I mean, I, I've actually won uh, some tournament games by the victory points I won by capturing a, an enemy's uh, battleship, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so the, they've definitely dialed down the power level dramatically for uh, boardings, and they've also made it so that you're really not restricted on them anymore either. So now it's more of like a board, you know, board early, board often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and let's try it again, right? There's pretty much no penalty to launching a boarding assault. You know, you yeah, and, and that's yeah, and that's another thing. I was just like, absolutely. I was like, oh, well, and you know, don't necessarily like tracking the old, you know assault points and everything but right, like right i feel like they could do something better with it yeah yeah i mean it's not um, it's not like it even was in firestorm Armada where you didn't really lose points but you only do one assault per turn per game actually unless you had a special rule that allowed you to do two so yeah they, they limited it quite a bit that way but uh, they've definitely got a different direction on on in this game and I, honestly i'm not really sure that i like it yet i'm i'm sort of on yeah. the fence <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I guess we'll see in the final version of the game, but like I feel like it could be more impactful because you know there, there's those moments in the games like you know and you and I have had them. I've had them with my other opponents. Like this assault is a big freaking deal. Yep. And if it goes south, I'm done. If it if it goes well, then we're sitting pretty. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I I just, I just feel like I want it to be more important. Right. Right. I, I yeah. Um, all right, so at this point, uh, to wrap things up, I think we'll probably uh, just talk about some things that we'd like to see improved or, you know, where we think the bay is at. Because, um, you know, as we've already said many times so far this episode, this is not a final version of the game. Um, but that being said, there, there's definitely some things that I want to see added in when they finalize the rules. And I'm sure, Matt, the same goes for you as well. So 
One thing is, I really do think they need to spend a little time adding in some diagrams into the rulebook to sort of illustrate some of the principles, maybe do a few example scenarios like they used to. I mean, I, I get it, it's a beta, it's supposed to be bare bones, so I can totally understand them not having that in the beta rulebook, but I really do hope that they include that sort of stuff when they do the final layout for the actual rulebook itself. Because, um, uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, reading books without pictures is hard, man. I like to have my pictures in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll take 300 pages. Just make sure, like, 100 more pictures. It's fine. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then probably the biggest open question, I think, about the entire beta process right now is that there is a section in the current beta rulebook that's been there since the beta started talking about patrons. And these are supposed to be sort of off-table characters that are financing or influencing your fleet, and they're supposedly going to offer you certain special abilities or maybe special weapons that you wouldn't have access to otherwise, etc. But then it says on the page, but these really aren't important for the beta right now. They'll be put out in the later version, so don't worry about them. And it's like, oh, but you just said how cool they were. So <laughs> that, that's one thing that I'm really interested in seeing, uh, how they're going to be implemented in the game and how they're going to work. Even if they just give us one as an example, because they don't want to you know, spill the beans or, or sort of show their hand too early on before they release the game. Even if we just get one patron to show, sort of give us a little bit of an example or a little better understanding of where they're going with how this is going to influence fleet building and, and some of the capabilities on the table, I think that would be a lot better. Uh, I think that's, you know, it's, it's still a little odd to me that we have this sort of big gaping hole <laughs> in the beta right. rules this far into it. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, actually. And, and uh, actually, before we, we got online tonight, I was kind of reading through the generators again. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, the storm generator that you uh, used to me against me to great effect in our last game. Yeah. Uh, I remember, though, the pain of the, that electricity. Um, and I'm reading here, I, I, you know, read into the thing. The pinnacle of Tesla's arc technology, the principles were a state of secret of the Imperium until his defection to the Union. Yep. Well, those are my guys. Yep. <laughs> and I'd love to have me a uh, storm generator, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah or, 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 or something even better, um, you know. So. Tesla? Yeah, like, hey, we, hey Tesla, welcome. Yeah. How do you use this, that electricity so good? <laughs> so, so, like, I, I would have loved a, a you know, storm generator because it, it's an extra, it's, it's an extra freaking turret, let's be honest. I mean, I know it's pricey. Yeah. But, um, it's worth it, though. It, it's extra <laughs> right? All right. Well, I think that pretty much uh, brings us there to the end of our discussion about the beta. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up or discuss before we uh, close out the show? No, I'm pretty good to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thought I would like to leave everybody with is that, um, you know, Matt and I, we've only gotten a couple games in, but our experience has been pretty positive with the beta. I mean, it really does. It still retains enough of the Dystopian Wars feel that it's recognizable as Dystopian Wars. And it is, um, it, it's fun to play. I mean, I, I think we've had a good time playing it, even with having to sort of cobble together some ad hoc components and not necessarily having WYSIWYG models because the stats don't match and all that. Even, even with all those challenges, I, you know, I think we still had uh, a good time playing it. So uh, I really do feel like the core beta rules are in a pretty good place and you know that they're definitely drawing towards the end of what they need to get out of the open beta. So I'm really hoping that they move on with their process and, and sort of start doing their final tweaks so they can get this thing out the door here for too much longer. <laughs> yeah. 
right. Well, uh, we're almost out of time. Um, and uh, before I, I go, I do want to say that I'm going to strive to try and get back onto a more regular schedule. The original goal for this show was to try and get a, an episode out monthly. Of course, that, that sort of fell by the wayside thanks to real life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank you all for joining us this time around. Uh, and Matt, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, coming by to talk about things dystopian wars with me. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Andy. Appreciate it. It was a good time. And uh, if uh, anybody wanted to find out what you've been up to lately, do you have any social media or anything you wanted to plug? Nah, I'm not quite that fancy. <laughs> well, I, 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 I know Maybe you're on the day. Facebook groups, right? So they can catch you there if nothing else. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Coastal Wargaming, uh, if you're kind of Atlantic region, it's uh, kind of our local uh, Warhammer slash other games um, group. Uh, other than that, I guess you can find me on the Sardinia Moms here and yeah, there. There you go. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of Exploring Dice Radio. And as always, uh, thanks so much for listening, both to this show and to the other shows on the Freebooters Network. If you have any feedback or have a topic you'd like to see discussed on the show, you know, drop me a line. You can find me by the Exploding Dice Radio Facebook page or YouTube channel. You can also leave a comment in the episode discussion thread on the MBS forums, or you can even just email me directly at edrpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, this is Ruckdog saying good luck and good hunting. The music featured in this podcast is from the World of Warships soundtrack and is provided courtesy of the Wargaming Group Limited.